0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots, specifically the Alpha Burley Pro. Now, this last weekend I was out and I took my uh, Alpha Burley Pros with me, and I must say I'm pretty impressed with not only the durability of the boot, but two things I really like about them. One, my foot stayed warmed. I had the 800 uh, grams of Thinsulate, and uh, with this cold front that came through, it was a Great boot that kept my foot warm. The second thing that I really like about it is the fact that my heel locks in. I'm able to tighten the boot around the calf and there's no slippage, right? And when people think of a big, bulky rubber boot, they typically think that, hey, it's going to, my foot's going to be sloppy in it. Uh, that's not the case. So those are two things I really like about the Alpha Burley Pro. You need to go check out lacrossefootwear.com. Check out the Alpha Burley Pro, and uh, I think you're going to like what you find.
1: Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 20. Today, we're talking all about rising and falling thermals with my good friend and hunting buddy, Nathan Protz. Now we're going to go into depth on what thermals are and how you can use them to your advantage your next time in the woods. And we're also going to discuss how deer use thermals to their advantage as well in their everyday travel. So if that sounds like something that interests you, stay tuned because I think you're going to enjoy it. Alright guys, welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm here with my buddies Michael Pike and Nathan Protsey. Right? <laughs> Pros? Prats. Prots. Prots? Prots. With the with the C E at the end? <laughs> no. T Z. T Z. Old T Z, Nathan Protz. Prots. Do, do you say that Protz with the T Z at the end? No, I just say Protz. 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 Protsi, I like Protsi better. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's got a good ring to it's it. has got what? No, there, there's no Y in it. <laughs> what
1: n- nationality is
2: Prots? German. It really is that's German. It? just German. Yeah, well,
1: you said you said it with a like German. Well, I was, slash,
2: I was gonna say Ukrainian, but I'm part Ukrainian, but that's on the other side of the family, so not the Protz side. No, it's it's no, it's on it's on the Kutch <laughs> side. The what side? Kuch, K-U-C-H. That's Kuch. my that's my grandmother's side. Okay. Yeah. That's so that's cool. Ukrainian.
1: Kuch. That does not sound like a Ukrainian name. It, it what is. What is Ukrainian? Ukraine is Middle East, right? Or is that like Russia? Russia. I think,
2: I think you're you right. right. I think it is Russia. I think <laughs> it's
1: that that area. I don't know. If it, if it ain't public land, I don't I don't want to have <laughs> nothing to do with it. <laughs> it might be public you land. You find don't it, know. You think we can find it on Onyx? <laughs>
2: Maybe if you got the the worldwide version, <laughs> the elite, the elite pro <laughs> version, elite plus plus. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff today. We got, we actually have kind of a lot to talk about. Um, I am coming down with some pretty rough sickness that I'm feeling hitting me, and so I'm not my normal self. I'm kind of sleepy. You guys just got to take a nap. Not together. Oh, yeah. Not. Not together.
2: But. No. <laughs> no, not together. <laughs> Definitely not together.
1: Um, but uh, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Y'all looking forward to it? Oh, yeah. I am. I'm yep. pumped. So Nathan is our guest of honor today, and we're going to talk about some stuff that he is good at. The What is it? The ASAT Assassin?
2: Yeah, ASAT Assassin that was just made this morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: sitting here in full ASAT camo. I-
2: well, not completely full. I have the... Yeah. The the homemade brown sleeve here. Did you make, did you do that really? (laughs) They were, they were coming apart. So my mother in law, I took them, I took them to her and I was like, this has got to be fixed right here. And she sewed it up one time. And then like the next two times I took it to her, she was like, there's, I can't help this. (laughs) So she just like, like fully sewed a a brown sleeve on it. Was it
1: a short sleeve shirt
3: or? No, it was long sleeve. sleeve? It was just
2: like this, but she, she had to cut that because there was holes all. It was
4: like all those, it was like all those spots on his pants too like all those have been sewed up.
1: Man. That's what I've heard that first light is awesome for western guys, but for in all the briars and stuff that we go through, it's pretty rough out here.
2: Yeah. Now, it it won't stink. I mean, you can wear it 3 days straight and not smell. Yeah. But
1: it's practical. It keeps you you said it's pretty warm too, right?
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be a Yeah, we we'll,
1: we'll no, no will never be sponsored by by these guys.
2: Um, I mean, supposedly merino wool is warm, but when you walk in and you sweat, this stuff just holds sweat. It doesn't dry out. So, okay, well, yeah, if you can, I mean, if you can walk in and change,
1: you look like you killed a deer today.
2: Well, I kind of feel like I did too, but I didn't. How <laughs> does that work? <laughs> just feel, I don't know, tired.
1: Oh yeah. That's how I feel because I killed a deer and we'll talk about it. Yeah, Just I feel man. like I
2: killed a deer too. Yeah, I'm like, I'm <laughs> like I got a nice,
1: nice good workout, nice solid workout. Um, but speaking of sponsorships, we are going to talk about our partners for like a couple minutes. So number one, as we already mentioned, Onyx—they are some awesome, awesome map makers. <laughs> is that didn't that used to be like a thing? Like map oh, he, maker. Oh, he's yeah. a map maker.
2: Cartographer. What? Ooh, cartographer.
1: Cartographer. So they are, man, I'm telling you, like, yesterday I used Onyx all day for opening day here in Alabama. Um, really, really helped a lot. There's So there's one specific spot that I hunted. And you were there, Michael. You saw it. There's yep. that fence that runs right through it. Well, and there's also paint on the, on the trees. And Onyx does not show that to be a property boundary. Um, for the National Forest. And so I've talked to the guy who runs kind of the, he's like a ranger in the area. I talked to him before and um, told him like, hey, am I supposed to be over there because there's a fence, there's red paint. It just kind of looks like he's like, oh, no, yeah, you're, you're good. Your map's right. So that, I mean, that's a, a testament to Onyx. Like, yeah, that's pretty awesome to have.
4: I think another good thing, a lot of times on public land, you'll have somebody that doesn't want you coming in their honey hole and they'll turn, put signs up in different spots and, you know, kind of make things look like you're hunting on private land. Yeah. Or, you know, they'll or put, put a, up a
2: shooting house. Yeah. Or put up a shooting <laughs> house.
4: Yeah. Uh, that happened, right? Y'all found yeah, yeah. a nice one. An elevated. Yeah. What? Like
2: 12 foot high. <laughs> yeah.
4: How,
1: how far on to the National Forest was well, it? Well, of if you were to come off of
4: private, if you were to come off of private, it would have probably been. Well, it may have been that far. It was several private, hundred yards off a of private. But off, so of, it off the, it ro- wasn't even close to the boundary. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but off of off the main road, it was
2: probably about a, what a half half a mile, three quarters of a mile. Yeah, maybe. So it
1: was probably somebody coming in.
2: Yeah, off, off of a private. private. Yeah.
1: Just acting like that's been their property for years. Mm. Probably. Yeah. That's crazy, man. But yeah. I mean. A guy, a guy who doesn't have any knowledge of, of property boundaries or anything like that would probably look at that and be like, oh, crap, sure. I'm, on, I'm on private I land. mean, well, I,
2: well, I even thought, you know, maybe this is wrong and maybe we're on private. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of these hunting clubs will put
4: their no trespassing signs right on, you know, the, the property line. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just driving down the road, you would just assume that that whole tree line is probably, you know, a hunting club. But you look on Onyx and it says, no, this is public land. You're like, wow.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love <laughs> I love Onyx. I, I really like. I literally bought a new phone this year because my phone kept dying because the battery. And so I bought a new phone because I don't want to be stuck out in the woods without Onyx. Like I don't know what the Indians did before Onyx. Anyways,
4: they uh they bent trees. <laughs> they they just <laughs> supposedly.
1: <laughs> anyway, so thanks to the guys at Onyx, we have awesome mapping software on our phones and app. Go download it on whatever app store you use, whether you are one of the elite iPhone users or an Android user or Google, whatever the heck all the iPhone copies, copy (laughs) phones are. (laughs) Um, Let's see who's next. So we're going to talk about Go Wild for just a second. I don't know if you guys heard, but we announced a winner for the Go Wild giveaway that we did on the last podcast. It was Jason, I think it's Bages is how you say his name. Um, And he won a premium membership to Onyx that we gave him and then $100 worth of Go Wild gear, which is pretty cool. Um, Here's the cool thing about Go Wild. I'm noticing every single day, um, used to when I first started it, when I first got on on the Go Wild, I would look at it once or twice a day and it would say like 10 new posts or 12 new posts. So you didn't really do a whole lot of scrolling before you got through what you just saw the last time you set. Right now, when I pull it up, it's like 150 new posts. Like, There's people constantly getting on Go Wild, which is the goal. Brad Luttrell, who we've had on the show before, he, he's constantly looking at how they can expand and how how they can grow. Um, if you're not familiar with Go Wild, it's just a social media app that you can use as an outdoorsman. They've got fishing, hunting, um, which, what else do you there need? There is right? everything. I'm constantly yeah.
4: seeing updates where they just, you know brought on some kind of fish that i didn't even know existed uh, yeah so so you
1: could I, they, I know they recently brought on access deer so you guys who are uh out in texas you can you can upload your access deer to your trophy you can log your trophies you get points based on your trophies and it's uh last i heard it was a patent pending scoring process so it doesn't have a whole lot to do with inches but mostly your method so if it's public land you get more points if it's Private land, you get less points. No offense to you private private land guys. Um, archery gets more than rifle. Uh, just a whole lot of different things that go into it. So it's pretty cool. Um, so check it out. If you guys don't have a Go Wild account, go check it out. Um, lots of cool stuff. I just got to update my Go Wild today. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, let's see. Who else do we have? We've got Tethered. So I am officially a saddle hunter. I keep hinting at it, like we're gonna we're gonna tell the story here in just a second. But uh, I hunted my first full day with a saddle, my first day ever with a saddle yesterday, and had some success with it. Um, and it would have been very hard with the with the shot that I got to pull it off in a tree stand, unless I was faced in that direction. Can
4: you imagine lugging all that, dude? Uh, you'd have been miserable.
1: I couldn't have done it. I would have had to make two trips. We were we were pretty far back up in the woods, and I mean my pack was pretty heavy with sticks. A saddle and camera gear and then of course my bow but i mean with a stand and a camera gear and i mean it would just would have been it would have been impossible and so um check out tethered those guys they make an awesome saddle i don't know anything different so all i have to go by is, te- is my tethered mantis saddle um, i know that they are getting caught up slowly but surely on some of the orders so if you guys have already ordered one they just sent out a shipping update like i think yesterday about the uh, getting caught up on orders, what what I heard Greg say was they were not they were they were trying to make a product a saddle that was just a good saddle for saddle hunters. Like they didn't expect to have this many orders of people who are literally getting into saddle hunting through hearing about tethered, which is pretty pretty stinking cool. Um,
4: yeah, I've seen a lot of people. You, yeah, you really didn't hear anybody talk about it that much except on you know the forum a couple of years ago, and then like the hunting beast. But now, I mean, you see people, I mean, just all over the place. Right and left. Yeah.
1: I really, I feel like a conformist, but, uh, <laughs> but I don't care. I mean, it's so practical for the way that I hunt. So check out Tethered. Those guys are awesome. Lastly, um, New Breed Archery, who we have had on this show before as well. And, um, man, it feels so good to finally get some blood on my GX2. Bo, I'm like super pumped. Michael, you already got to get some on your BX thirty two. Yeah. But uh it's just I'm, I'm telling you, you saw how long I held at full draw on on that deer, like the let off. What did you say it was
4: like I think uh Colton said it was like between like eight and ten pounds. That's not the let off. That's your
1: holding that's, what, that's you're holding. what you're holding. I mean, it it wasn't hard. Like I wasn't I wasn't shaking or anything like that, and I held it for what do you think?
2: It was a long time. Forty five seconds? Probably
1: ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe longer than that. It felt like 25 minutes, but...
4: (laughs) I mean, just to give you an idea, I've had so much let off that I actually let back on my bow because I didn't realize, you know... I Mm -hmm. mean, it's not like it pulled my arm forward, but I just got so relaxed because it was just like holding itself pretty much. Right. You know.
1: It's awesome. And you shot an Elite before. Yeah. And that was one of the things that you said. I mean, Elite, which Elite makes a great bow, but... You constantly talking about how good the let off is. Like, yeah. you didn't want to give up your elite because how awesome that let off is. I've seen videos where um, I saw one video where they had the elite on a scale and they pulled it down and it held itself, like the weight of the bow held itself, which is pretty cool. Now your selling point was this feels like it has more let off than my elite. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And aside from all that all that cool technical stuff. Which is practical and awesome. You can also like customize it and make it look cool too. Um, It's no extra cost. That's just how they make their bows. They customize every bow that they make to your fitting to to however you want it. It's uh, direct to consumer, so you can go online and call or call the guys and tell them what you want. They'll send you a bow to your specs. Make sure you like it. You can keep it for 15 days. Make sure you like it, and um, when you decide that you do like it, because I think you will. They'll completely customize it and send it to you.
4: Yeah, I mean, you can deck it out as much as you want.
1: Mm -hmm. I love it, man. I I absolutely love this bow. I'm in love with it. Not just because they're partners of the show, but just because it's a great bow. So when you do go and um, call the guys at New Breed, just tell them that Southern Ground sent you, and you will receive a discount, which is pretty cool. All right, guys. You guys ready to get into this?
2: Yeah. Yep, ready.
1: We're going to talk about thermals, which is not—I mean, I hear people talk about it all the time— but nobody really explains what they are. Like, yeah. Unless you just know and figure it out or you talk to somebody, you're not going to see a lot of information out there about thermals because it's kind of just like an assumed knowledge when it comes to a lot of the the betting tactics and like just real more hardcore tactics that you go by. So we're going to talk about thermals and we're also going to talk about bedding. And we brought Nathan here today because Mike Michael is really the first person that I've ever talked to personally that I knew Um that has been in into this style of hunting. Um, and Nathan, he gives you all the credit for it. So,
2: well, I appreciate that, Michael. No problem, buddy. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I, I met Michael on the hunting beast. How long?
1: Probably about
4: three years ago
2: now. Yeah. Now, is that a, a new
1: dating website? What is that? Yeah, it's a dating <laughs> website
2: for, like,
4: <laughs> for hunters. that want to go out and kill deer <laughs> together, yeah. I mean, I mean hunters only.com.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs>
2: No, but I, I met him on there, and um, you know, I just there wasn't a whole lot of Alabama people on there, and so I have got you noticed that there. that jump? Oh, yeah. in the past,
4: especially the past year. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just what what somebody put on there the other day, uh, on that forum or on the Facebook page. You know, who all is here from the south? And God, I mean, there was Alabama <laughs> people all over the place. Yeah, yeah I It saw used that. to
2: be like just two Alabama people and like tons of Wisconsin and Michigan people, but it's it's grown. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that uh, the other day. So when I first got on Hunting Beast, I put in Alabama, and there was like very few posts, and most of them were y'all, y'all too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then people being like, "Well, I don't really hunt Alabama, but this is how it would make sense here, where I hunt." With whatever question you're asking, I just did another search on it like last week, and put Alabama, and a ton of people. I I didn't even go into Mississippi, Louisiana. I guessed it. I guessed it on a podcast um, on the Louisiana Bowhunter podcast a couple weeks ago, and those guys are great deer hunters. Um, Not very familiar with beast tactics, though. Like you could tell, they weren't on the hunting beast by the questions they were asking. Yeah,
4: it hasn't hit down here full stride yet. And these
1: guys were hardcore. I mean, they were hardcore hunters. They had a podcast about it, so um, it, it hasn't hit yet, but it's going to. I mean, the more people realize that these these tactics work, the the more.
2: I mean, well, one of the big things I think is people think that, um, like, going to a buck's bedroom, like you don't do that. You know, like you right. don't you don't jump a buck or you don't get close. But, um, I you know I've seen it where big bucks won't move until right at dark, and they don't move far. So, yeah, you know, how do you kill an animal like that? Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't do it. Most over, of the time, over... <laughs> you can't.
1: But I mean, it really does increase your increase your odds a lot um so i'm gonna tell the story real quick of the deer that i killed yesterday is that okay sure sure i know you guys have already already all heard it but um the listeners have not and and i'm gonna make this tie into what we what we're going to talk about today because it had so much to do with it It had a lot to do with luck um but a lot to do with going into an area so yesterday was opening day of alabama season i didn't see anything yesterday morning first time in the saddle um and a kayak hunt, so that I mean that in and of itself is is somewhat of a beast tactic, is going in from a different area where the deer are not used to humans coming from. You're not blowing out every single deer, um, but I was I was messaging you guys last uh, yesterday afternoon on the spot that I was wanting to go to. Where should I go? What what are the thermals going to do? I was asking you guys a whole lot of questions that I thought y'all might could y'all might could help me out on. And it ended up paying off. It wasn't a buck, but it was a doe. It was open day. I wasn't picky. Um, Michael told me it was a buck when we walked up on it. He <laughs> yeah. said it was a spike. Yeah. But uh, so <laughs> I shot this deer. The weirdest thing, like, the like, I don't know how the deer died to this moment. I still have no idea how the deer died.
4: It's still under investigation.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to call blood <laughs> blood, <laughs> blood spatter analysis. and Splatter uh, or spatter? spatter I think I don't
4: know I think your deer was sputter sputter yeah <laughs> deer sputter
1: you said what'd you say it died from blunt force trauma <laughs> yeah um so I shot this deer about five thirty ish yesterday afternoon and like I thought it was a perfect shot like it was 20 it yards it was a perfect shot right it was 20 yards I gave it about know, 45 minutes to an hour before I went to the site to the impact site um and found the arrow well the arrow had no blood on the fletchings and it had buried into the dirt but you could tell there was hair on it lots of hair on it um, and the dirt was like mud around like it got like it looked like it had probably I don't know what do you think 12 inches maybe yeah. 11 inches of penetration just to where the mud stopped the dirt that had gotten kind of caked on there and I was like crap I thought that was a good shot it sounded good y'all watch the footage it sounded like a, a great hit um, but then I looked down and immediately this huge blood trail going through there so I just started following it and it had probably been about an hour because I packed up all my stuff before I started probably been an hour before I before I um, went and looked and I start tracking it and I mean I'm finding big pools of blood some of it was had bubbles in it so I was like okay this deer's dead. This is a dead deer. As much blood as was coming out of it, I thought it was definitely a dead deer. Well, I finally got to a point where it was just pin drops, and I was probably, I don't know, 150 yards, 100 yards maybe, probably 100 yards from where I shot. So Michael called me. He said, hey, did you find your deer? I said no. So he he drove up to where I was at because he was hunting and um, went to a, a little road where you basically hiked in it's a harder access it's about the same from the water to where you parked at but the access is just harder it's a bluff you can't hardly get to it and that's why i hunt that a lot um but you so we i met you i kind of walked halfway and met you there and we came back and started looking for blood and i mean you when i showed you the, the footage you were like that's good blood yeah so
4: that's a dead deer. Then I saw the arrow, and I was like, "Ah, I don't, I don't know. know." You at one point said this might
1: just be a flesh wound, a really bad flesh wound.
4: Yeah, and it really—I mean, it—it kind of it was. Really, <laughs> really was, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and so we get we go to start uh looking, and I think you found maybe like what five or six more drops from yeah. the last last blood that I had, five or six more drops, just little bitty pieces. Where I mean it was just just gone done done I was down man I was like there's no way we're not finding this deer this isn't this deer is not gonna be dead and so I ended up walking kind of down the, I guess the path of least resistance started walking down this hill and into the creek I got to the creek and I shined my lights and I saw something I was like that kind of looks like a deer I walked up no it's not a deer walked a little bit further it oh, might be a deer you ever have you ever done that mm-hmm. where you're like no yeah no yeah no mm-hmm. and then I walked a little bit further <laughs> and I saw I saw it was a deer and I was like oh dude I was so pumped up it's the craziest feeling in the world um, when you get that down and then you end up finding it and I the deer died right in the middle of the creek and almost <laughs> no blood I mean there was a little pool of blood next to the deer nothing coming out of her mouth so we went over there to it and flipped her around, and it was so weird. Like the arrow. So, <sighs> go watch the YouTube channel. There's
4: no way we can describe <laughs> it for you to understand, really. I have,
1: I can, I don't even understand. And I was there. Um, so uh, go watch the YouTube video. It's on the Sports Nation YouTube YouTube channel. Um, it there's a hole right where I mean, perfect heart shot. We turned it over. I was like, oh, it's a heart shot, perfect shot. And then we got to looking. And and it's,
2: like, it's a long shot. Yeah, like <laughs> right shot.
1: underneath it, like what, four inches, maybe. Maybe. Four inches. On the same side, there's another hole, which is the exit hole. I can't explain it.
4: But it, it's not like your arrow went through the deer and it's four inches low. Like
2: You'd it, had it have been shooting straight down to have that exit. Yeah, right.
4: it, it looks like. It, it's, it was a deflection of some sort. We assume at at this point yeah, that
1: it hit the rib and just went straight down. That's the only, the arrow was sticking in the ground. It was sticking straight up out of the ground. I I, just, I, I have no idea. And I, on the video, you'll hear me hear me say, "I don't know how this deer died." <laughs> like, yeah, because when I gutted yeah. her, there was the heart was intact. It was fine. The blunt the lungs were fully inflated, not fully inflated, but they weren't they weren't at all deflated. No guts were messed up, other than the hole that it I wasn't put even. When I it wasn't
4: her. even close to any of that. I mean, it would have just been a heart shot. Yeah. I mean, the location where it was at.
1: Still don't know how she died. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the only thing I can think is that blade went in, severed some kind of artery going to the heart, and then came down. I can't figure it out. But watch the video and you'll see what we're talking about. And then the work began. We got that. We got her gutted. Got her drugged to the kayak. So the issue was Michael parked on the other side, where so he had to end up hiking. As I was kayaking, he hiked to the boat ramp. And two flashlights died. Two headlamps died. All we had was your one extra one. Yeah. And uh, it was my phone fell in the water. It was just a. (laughs) It was just kind of a.
4: It was a fun trip.
1: It was a fun trip. I mean, for me, it was definitely worth it. It was worth the trouble.
4: I'd use my iPhone light to hike up and down ridges yeah. through brush. It wasn't it that bad. Added, it's no, pretty it, clear woods in there. It wasn't that bad. No.
1: Did you see all the deer tracks in the beach right there? on the second creek that you came?
4: No, I couldn't. No. I could I could barely see anything.
1: Bro, there's deer tracks all over that place. Anyway. <laughs> um that was a fun night. I mean, opening day, like kayak, public land with the bow and the saddle. Like I was I was jacked up, man. <laughs> I was pumped. You got blood on the kayak. I, I jacked
4: my hunt up. I spun around the tree because I had a deer. Uh, and it was coming from a kind of the opposite side of the tree where I was planning on. I'm on the ground, and so I didn't clear out my spot like I normally would because it's so quiet. And spun around the tree to get a, a different angle. And uh, my foot ended up clipping uh, some kind of dead limb that was laying there, and well, halfway dead, I guess, but it snapped. And uh the deer never saw me, never blew, but ended up trotting off a couple of seconds later, so so
1: this is how we're gonna make this all all come around. Typically, what would you say the percentage of hunters that see a deer in Bankhead is in this national forest? Depends
4: Maybe. on if it depends <laughs> on if they're spotlighting or hunting over corn. <laughs> it's
2: true. <laughs> Which <we won't> <laughs> because <laughs> yeah.
1: There's spots that I don't go into because I know there's corn piles on the ground.
2: Oh, yeah. We found, I found several corn piles.
1: Now, are you the one who you'll, like, write a note and put it on the corn pile or something like that? No,
2: I hadn't done that. You don't do that? No.
1: What is it it that you did? Do you write it on stands, on permanent stands that you see in there?
2: No, like, if I find, find, say, a climbing stand and some guys, or, well, even a permanent stand, and he's got his, you know, rope. Hanging down for a pull-up rope, I like you know drape it over or something weird so they know that I found it. It's like you know, hey, I found your spot, buddy. <laughs> That's cool. Or I'll turn so, it the, turn it the wrong way. <laughs> just they climb up in the dark. Like, like, what is this? Why am I facing a road? <laughs> Where am I?
1: <laughs> um, you'll be funny. Is take like the little reflector lights that people put in there and like put it in the wrong direction <laughs> and put their stand at the end of it so they're like. I'm so confused right now. Um, well, we wouldn't do that because we enjoy that people use pup lands, right? That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, but what I was getting at is the percentage of people that see deer on this on this national forest is low.
4: Yeah, I it's mean, slim, especially in the in the management area itself. It, right. It's quite a bit different than the national forest because the national forest backs up a lot to private, and on the private, you see, you know that. A lot of different variety of cover, so mm-hmm. there's well, typically the <laughs> there's typically well, nurse, it probably. was still big woods though for the most part, not like fields and thickets like around houses and stuff like that. Um, so, but
1: I mean, even at that, like you have people that see deer on national forest for sure. Um, maybe more than the management area, probably more than the management a area. A good bit more. But I've lived here for in Alabama for like a collective eight years, I think. And it's always just been kind of the thing that's like, just if you want to see deer, get on a hunting club. Don't, don't hunt. Bankhead, you know. Just to give hunt. you an
4: idea of different management areas, um, it's like ninety-five man kill or man days per kill. Man, ki- man, man, man kills, kills. <laughs> ninety-five man days per kill in Bankhead. Yeah, I yeah, mean that was
1: in uh, AON. Was that in AON magazine? Yeah.
4: Or- or something uh, like
1: that, where it basically just, gives you a, an idea of how many day, how many deer were killed and how many numbers were, how many people were hunting. And how, like, it averages out how many man days it took to kill a, one deer. Right. It's,
4: I think there were only, like, 20-something 20, 20 deer killed on side B.
1: Of the management area. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah. wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And you were and one of that gives of them. you, yeah. So
1: there's only 21 more guys. And probably.
4: I would have had a. A, a second buck. I mean that that other one was a buck. I would have had a second buck and I could have taken Doe's back there. It's not worth the hassle, but right. way back you know, in some of those <laughs> <Yeah>. spots. <laughs> but it was worth the
1: hassle for me <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Uh but seriously I don't know what I would have done if we if you weren't there. Yeah. But I mean the deer numbers are low. There's not a lot yeah. there's not a lot of deer.
2: This now, area they're, they're in pockets. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think you can I think you can um you can hunt that man I mean Management area use the places where you would hunt on a normal WMA or something like that. I'll give you a good idea a a saddle. So, think of a saddle in like on top of a ridge. You got a saddle where um, I mean, typically, I mean, you go out to a place with decent deer numbers, deer are going to use that. You're going to find trails. It's not always the case out here. Um, Just because Mm -hmm. you find a good terrain feature where you would normally find deer at does not mean. That goes back to your pockets, your pockets of deer. There's a lot of deer in certain areas. Yesterday, I saw, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I saw eight deer yesterday while hunting. Now they were walking in and and stuff like. I almost got st- like charged by three of them yesterday morning walking. We in. almost
4: got charged by an. Arm- well, we did get charged by an armadillo. We did. I forgot about. <laughs> we that. had to turn the light on and see what was running at us. He was like was, he's five just like foot running away. straight at us. <laughs>
1: Um, a lot of armadillos though So if you're an armadillo hunter Bankhead has got a high armadillo <laughs> density Is there such a thing? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Armadillo hunter <laughs> um, But here's what I'm getting at is You're not going to find these deer I, In my opinion you could You could get lucky I know people that have gotten lucky before It's going to be really hard for you to find These deer on this place Without using some of these tactics And being smart about the way that you hunt You're not just going to be able to go out to your ladder stand and 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 hunt them. If that's the way you yeah. hunt, that's great. We're,
4: but. We were talking about that earlier. You know, if if we would have started on any other WMA, probably in Alabama, we would have we would have you know gotten the grasp of bedding so much oh, yeah. quicker. If right. you can if you can find beds in bankhead, you can find them anywhere.
3: Right.
2: Well, I was I was telling Michael, um, like when I first started, it took me probably two years or at least a year and a half to two years to start getting the hang of bedding. Um, Just because I would go out and look at a ridge and not find anything. And, um, you know, Dan from the hunting beast, he'd be like, well, you know, they they can move around so much that you're just not seeing a bed. But they weren't there because the deer weren't there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, any
4: other place you would find them. But just, I mean, just for instance, I mean, when we went to Cahaba, I mean, what did we find? 80 something beds? 85. In, in and how many hours counting like and that was in that was in one day that yeah. was in hours yeah. we're counting hours now
2: yeah and somewhere like that it feels like you're just like you can I mean just me walk and you the have, woods and just find me <laughs> yeah right.
4: me and you have walked through bankhead and spent all day and oh, yeah. may have found you know you know 15 or 20 beds tops maybe and, that, and that's, that's a rough, that's that's way on the upside I mean like today we we went and walked we spent what two hours walking and yeah, we, we found, found three
2: beds three or four yeah yeah
1: I mean you remember when we were out at Cahaba, we found that mattress and there was a bed right next to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um but I mean part of the reason why I mean I go out there and I saw what did I say, nine deer? Nine deer yesterday morning that were on the forest. That's a lot of deer. A lot of people are gonna hunt Bankhead all season and not see nine deer. Um I've hunted I mean, on on clubs that I've been on in Alabama that I've spent money to hunt. And I didn't, I, I mean, I, the year before that, I may have seen nine deer, the year before last, on the hunting club I was on. You're just not, you're not going to, I would have seen more if I was hunting it like beast tactics, you know. But but still, you know, going out to publicly, and that's why we believe in it. That's why we know it works, and we want to do our best to uh, use the platform that we have to kind of talk about it and let people, other people get fired up about it as much as we are. Um, so Nathan, I want you to I want you to kind of talk about like how you got started um, really getting into this because it's a lot of work and it's a daunting thing to get into for a guy who who has never done it before um, what h- how did you how did you get started doing it and what made you want to do that?
2: Well, um, so when I first started hunting, I knew nothing about deer. I mean, I <laughs> thought you just walked in the woods and sit up somewhere and they just magically come through <laughs> how old How old were you when you? when you started hunting let's um, start
1: with this how old are you now
2: Nathan? man come on i'm <laughs> um, 41 i think i was probably um mid i was, I was probably about mid 20s somewhere around there when i first started late 20s
4: i think that has er, this is something i've noticed has a lot to do with um a lot of your hunters if, if they start out young they get a lot of misinformation over the years and now if you go in and you're able like you know going in in the 20s if you're able to go in with a clear mind and you know see it for yourself at that age, instead of having these preconceived notions,
2: I think that yeah, I mean you have to you out tremendously. You have to want to change. You have to want to make that change, right? Um, but yeah, like I would, I would just literally like I started out hunting um, private land close to my house, and I would walk in the woods and just you know hey, there's a deer. Tra-. I knew what a deer track was. <laughs> right. but like you know hey, there's a deer, tra-. and I you know I would see deer every once in a while, but I'm like you know. Where's the where's bucks at? I'm not seeing any bucks. So um I got to look it on the internet and typing in, you know, how to find a buck bed. You know, where to bucks bed. And it was general stuff like, you know, find a thicket. And I'm like, okay, well there's miles of cutover. How do I find a you know, a buck bed in that? Yeah, I,
1: that was one thing for me. Um I've always been taught, you know, growing up. I started my dad, he wasn't really a hunter before I started showing interest in it. So we kinda learned the whole sport together i was with him when he shot his first deer and from that moment on we just we just learned together and that's the thing we've always been told is find the thickest area and that's going to be always where the deer are bedded so that's what we just assumed and but we also assumed like okay they're bedding there they'll walk a mile to get to right here They, they must be walking all this distance to get to this food source or whatever it's just not the case you know there's another place where they're bedding at um go ahead yeah
2: then there was um you know you'd find like where i was hunting was ridges and you'd find little bits of information like you know and some of it would be like really like really specific like hunt the west side of a ridge why the west side you know like what makes that that side so good it's prettier on the west side yeah (laughs) but you would you would get like little pieces like you know find a, a little spur of a ridge or something and it just never really clicked and um so i got to looking and then i found the hunting beast and I got on there and my mind was just blown. I mean, just instantly. Like I was like, so much information, you know, what do you do with that? Yeah, Sometimes it I, takes, um,
4: it takes, you know, years and years and years of going through that to soak up all that knowledge oh, yeah, and I mean, actually put it to practice.
2: You got guys talking about, you know, bumping and dumping a buck and then coming back and, you know, hunting him. And I'm like, whoa, what? What's
1: that mean? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, I get on there even now. Sometimes I'll get on there and I'll, I'll look at something and I'm like, I'll go, you know, you press uh, active topics or whatever. And I'm like, there's so much stuff right here. Like, There's mm-hmm. no way I can go on this thread and just scroll through the forum and retain all of this knowledge right yeah. now. Okay. Um,
2: another thing that kind of ties into today, too, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about wind, really. I didn't think about that. I'm just like, you know, you just hunt. Um, so then I start learning about wind. You know, they say, keep the wind in your face. And so I started progressing to that. Um, And then it got to be where, you know, you look at certain winds and then thermals, you know, thermals came into play. And so then my my mind's blown again. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought I had wind. Yeah. Now I got thermals. (laughs) So, so kind of define thermals. Okay. So, um, wind is two dimensional. You have, you know, it just blows in a certain direction. Right. Um, thermals is going to be when you have the air current rising or lowering based on the temperature. So that adds another dimension going up and down, you know, to what your sense doing. Um, so basically, it's like your house. If you had, you know, like you lose the most heat through your ceiling, mm-hmm. so you insulate your ceiling because the heat rises. Um, that's basically what you what you have with thermals.
1: Right. And so that that's like a, in a nutshell, kind of thermal. Like that's like really a, general. <laughs> a simple. It's not just like oh, this weather, air is gonna rise. This weather, this temperature, it's gonna fall. I mean. Like the areas. There's hunt, a lot the of different country, variabilities in it. In the hill country, you've got ditches that carry your thermals. You know, like I was. That's where it came into play for me so much yesterday, is when I was dropping milkweed. You know, sun was up in the afternoon. I was dropping milkweed, and my wind was going. It it would like stall the milkweed would stall, like right in front of me, and then it'd go and it it go down and then go straight back up like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was kind of, I was almost at the top of this ridge, but not quite. And so when it hit the top, then it would just kind of die. Then when the sun started going down, um, I did the same thing and it was a little bit windier yesterday, but you could tell the wind would carry it and then it would just kind of float back downhill, which was, I mean, if you're using anything else other than something like milkweed or I've heard of people using like, um, cotton swabs or something, something very light. If you're just using like a like a little powder thing, like the Windicator powder oh, yeah, stuff. No, no way. You're going to get the wind <laughs> direction. You're not going to watch the actual current that right. it's, it's, it's falling on yeah, or mil- rising on. Yeah,
2: milkweed was a big eye-opener for me. It is.
1: And milkweed is just a plant. For everybody, I'm, I'm trying to keep this as like elementary as possible, especially in the beginning. So if you guys are wondering what milkweed is, just look it up. Get on the hunting beast. You'll see it. You'll see people talking about milkweed, but it's like it's just a really like lightweight. How would you describe it? Like feathery. It's a seed, yeah, out of a milkweed pod. It,
4: if you were to try to imagine it, it, almost like you took just a little piece of a cotton ball off Mm -hmm. or a feather, yeah, and just you know, if you were to drop it, and you know, it would carry with the wind. Yeah. Just watch it. It's white you know, up against a, a dark background, and you, you just follow it for, you know.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, for me, that's been an eye-opener too, like watching actually what my scent is doing. I used to carry one of those powder things that you squirt up in the air in it, and you're like, like oh, wind's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wind's good or, oh, wind's bad. I had a couple times last night when the wind would, sh- would shift, and I would be pretty bummed on a normal day, but when I drop milkweed, I can actually see, like, uh, this isn't so bad, you know. So if, if y'all are wondering about thermals and things like that, you guys listening, um, definitely get in the milkweed game. We don't have a lot of it out here. You'd have to figure out a way. To found, yeah,
4: there's I a different some. species down here yeah. um, that we found up there in Bankhead. I've, we found both of them have actually been in pine thickets. Uh, both, really? Mine ones, one's like,
2: right off the road. Yeah. Cut if, over. Most
4: of the time, yeah, most of the time off the off the edge of the road is where they find it up north. Yeah, um,
1: We found some in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, me and you did right off a of Cornfield. Right. Um, but, man, that stuff is it, – it totally changes the game for you when you're talking about thermals.
2: I think it's better than really anything, too, because of the way it's shaped. Mm-hmm. It's got the little, you know, pieces coming off of it, mm-hmm. and it just helps it float and stay airborne. Yeah. I mean, literally – Unless you got the old, <laughs>
4: rotten version from Nathan, and it just – but my fault you falls to your the pocket ground. the
2: whole season. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I had a guy I had a guy at the
1: beginning of the season send me fifteen pods from I think he was in Michigan. And uh,
4: Yeah, you're, you're uh, gonna have to give me one of those pods.
1: Zachary Zachary Rao, I think. R A U is his last name. Um so if he's listening, shout out to you, Zachary. That's been a been an awesome thing for me this year. Alright, so so he kind of gave a basic definition of thermals. Um let's let's get into that just really quick, just kind of how you use it, Nathan, and how you use it, Michael, like in in certain situations. Because there's some situations where your thermals don't matter. Mm -hmm. There's some situations where they really matter, and then there's some kind of in-between where it's like, yeah, pay attention to it. Um, That's kind of how I would consider last night to have been for me
2: um, with the wind shift. Well, um, like if I'm I'm hunting bedding, for instance, um, I really pay attention to to the thermals there because usually the bucks are going to come in – like a certain way approaching their bed to scent it and you got to pay attention to how those thermals are moving and how you access it because if you come in from a way that's going to drop your thermals down to that buck as he's coming in you're going to be busted before you even see him right um so that um, so you're
1: talking about like a j-hook when the buck does a j-hook where it goes down and then comes back up because really that's all he's doing right is checking checking the scent before he gets up into his bed um not that kind of the whole point of the j-hook
2: yeah, and now on the J-hook, which this is probably getting to, off on a different tangent, right, but yeah. um, I was telling Michael, I've seen them, like, they actually don't J-hook straight into it. They'll they'll come around and circle the bed and then come back down into it. Yeah. And I think that's to keep their their scent behind them, so if the thermals or wind or anything blows and an animal comes up, that gets their that animal scent or predator scent behind them.
1: Right, that makes sense. But so they, I mean... I've seen them constantly do it. I've seen bucks walk the walk the ridge where they're gonna basically catch in a lot of in a lot of scenarios, especially late morning. They're gonna catch the rising thermals and the wind to the opposite direction. Have you yep. ever seen that? Is that yep. kind of what you've seen? Well, that that would the, be called the like leeward the, side. The leeward side, yeah. Um, they call it the,
4: thermal tunnel. The Thermal tunnel, yeah.
1: yeah. Um so if you got if y'all are hunting hill country, you guys listening, if you're hunting hill country if you're and you're noticing I see bucks all a lot, like it's usually what, the upper upper third? Yeah, upper one third. If you were crest.
4: Yeah, if you were to drop down one third of the ridge size, then that's a generalization of where you'll find, you know, that main trail. If you know what a military crest is, look you know, if you don't look it up. But a lot of times the military crest will give you a good idea about you know where those trails are going to be at um it's basically where if you were to look at a topo um you know a topo map if you have some really spaced out topo lines and then you see them stack up really quickly um or you know quicker then that's more than likely your military crest Uh, it's just where it you know takes a gradual nosedive off the
2: hillside and then to add to that um this applies to bedding too but like you mentioned the trails they're, like, the the steeper the land, the more defined that's going to be. Mm-hmm. So both bedding and trails, like, if you have a bluff, you're going to find, you know, one area that they're going to travel, whereas if you have a gentle sloping hill, um, it just depends on the, you know, like, if it's, if the thermals are lower that day, they might travel lower, and if it's, you know, if the thermals are rising more that day, they might travel higher, mm-hmm. and so you won't have as, uh, as much of a defined trail. It's going to be more, you know, spaced out like mm-hmm. that on a, on a rolling hill.
1: Yeah, and that, that goes back to, like, last night where those deer came out at they were actually walking a little bit higher than the upper third um and because it was fairly windy pretty sunny um and stayed pretty warm all day i don't know if that had as much to do with the thermals but it kind of sounds like it you know with that rising thermal because um, they came out before the sun ever even went down which and that's how it kind of applies to this because it actually helped me out um, because my wind was really going straight to where they were at. But that rising, the, because the thermals kept rising, it kept, it really kept me safe.
2: Oh yeah, I've had, um, I've had places where you, know, you, you hunt 20 foot up in a tree and you get busted because your thermals are still dropping. Mm-hmm. And then you get 30 foot up in a tree and you know you hit that level where the wind and everything takes your scent above them mm-hmm. um, but you know it just depends on the area there's different you know I, well Michael he got me into ground hunting <laughs> yeah yeah um, I talked to him into ground hunting. Oh, which he was uh, he was uh, <laughs> he was a,
4: a beast hunter through and through with his one stick climbing method and which I still do that yeah but,
2: um, uh, Nowadays, I ground hunt a lot and we got a theory on is I, that an, I got is a theory that an on age that too. thing. Well, I mean, it's just, I think it's a bankhead thing, like, you know. It
4: it initially started out as, a, oh my gosh, I've got to carry this tree stand and all yeah, this you, equipment in this far. You're talking no. about, you know, maybe 40 it just forty pounds. It took all the fun out of it for me. <laughs> it wasn't fun anymore. It was more like a labor or, or a chore. It wasn't hunting anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, was, you don't have the access like you'd have at like a hunting club or something like that. You know, it's a piece of private land. Uh, yeah. So...
2: Which I, I got a theory on that too. Um, like on ground hunting, when you're on the ground, your scent is kind of contained. I mean, it can get blown, you know, or spread out from thermals. But pretty much the closer you are to the ground, the closer your scent stays to the ground. I mean, I
4: I've always think about it this way. Think about if you have like a spray can and you have something you're spraying it on. You know, if you were to hold it right at it, you see where it sprays, you know, you know the paint yeah. in this one little dot. You back it up twenty inches, and that thing covers you know a couple of feet worth of area. You know, and then and that and, and that's how I everywhere. feel. That's how I feel about you know scent. You know, if I'm ground hunting, you know, it's it it it's right there. And, and I don't and, think and, it's
2: I don't think it's more that you won't get busted. I mean, you're gonna get busted if they come by you and your scent's pulling around. But I think it lets the deer get closer to you because, like, if you're you know if you're sitting down and that that deer he has to get thirty yards from from you before he smells you. Whereas if you're up here, you know, way up high, mm-hmm. then he can smell you from 100 yards away. Then that, that gives you more of a chance to get him on the ground yeah. because your scent's not, you know, it's not spreading out. Yeah. Also with, like, thermals, I
4: feel like you can play it to your advantage a lot of times because if you're being so close to the ground, you're, you know, all of your scent is right there. So whatever the thermals are doing is, you know, you can, you can almost funnel it with terrain features where your scent goes by your
2: placement on the ground. It's kind of like people say about, you know, to to think about wind currents, thinking about like water funneling through the terrain. Mm -hmm. Um, Thermals work kind of the same way. You know, it'll do the same thing.
1: So that's something that I've learned from um, hanging out with Michael a lot and hunting with you now quite a bit uh because because i kind of got into into the idea of thermals then i got in the idea of her first it was bedding wind direction all that stuff then thermals um and now it's it's actually terrain features and how those affect your thermals so um and you guys there's a there's a really interesting thread on the hunting beast um and we may post a link to it that michael posted what was it two weeks ago they yes. posted on it? Yeah. And it took a minute for it to get started for people to really get talking on yeah, it. Yeah, I'd
4: really like people to put more information on there because, I mean, my experience is that may, that may not apply to all these other people who are hunting, like, swamps and stuff like that. I, I have no clue about how to go about, you know, thermals as far as swamps and stuff. You mm-hmm. know, I see what everybody has posted on the hunting beast, but I don't, I don't have any experience with that. So, I yeah. mean, I can't speak to that, but... Um, there's but you, there's some good information in the tactical thread about thermals. Yeah, and They're it's just, just
1: a whole thread about thermals, and I got to reading it the other day, and a lot of really really good information that I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys go go check that out. Go just go type in um, on the hunting beast. You don't have to. I don't think you have to be a uh, a member even to to yeah, see the forums. You, you can don't. you can see that.
2: But prepare to get your mind blown. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean even something as simple as thermals. Like it's not like well
2: thermals.
4: Thermals is getting on up there. I mean, yeah, most it, people don't even know about thermals. So right. I don't feel like.
2: Yeah, I feel like you say something like, you, you know, you're talking to somebody that, that hunts. You're like, hey, man, you know, so, yeah, the thermals played a big part. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> thermals? I think the first we're place talking? I ever
1: heard about it was from Mark Drury. He was talking about thermals. Like, pay attention to your thermals. What the freak does that mean? Yeah. You mean like the
4: long johns I'm wearing? <laughs> yeah, 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 we're really good thermals. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I got these Walmart's. They do pretty good. <laughs> they do, they're all right. I check them pretty periodically.
4: When... um after when i was hunting when i was a little bit younger i could always hear the thermals switch uh-huh. you, you can hear them switch you, you notice all the animals get quiet for a minute um they start acting a little bit different and then you notice like the air changes you know like just i don't know it's just you can feel it um i didn't know what that was at the time until i started learning about thermals and i actually had read about like on a post or something on the hunting beast that's what that was when
2: it was switching um so next time you're out in the woods um you know like to me wind takes precedence over thermals so like if you you know if you got a strong wind most of the time your thermals aren't going to do much unless that wind dies down right right? it's
4: like a second tier you you know Um, your your first thing needs to be the wind as long as it's above you know what what, if you were to give a miles
2: per hour what would you say I mean, I don't know if there's really a uh, like a certain mile per hour. Probably like I would say at least above five miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But to me, the big thing is the consistency. If it's you know ten mile an hour, then it stops. It you know like stops blowing and drops down to one. Well, then your thermals are going to switch over. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's one of the hardest winds to hunt is where it's you know speeding up, slowing down. I'll tell you, you got- the
4: the hardest one was my hunt yesterday. That was by far the hardest to figure out because what tough. we
2: what we had um, at the
4: at the time was. Um we had a southwest wind and then about what two hours into the hunt it was gonna do a complete one eighty and start blowing out of the north when this front pushed through. So not only did you have to count for two different winds, you also had to account for um thermals too because it was going in from sun to shade. Mm-hmm. So I mean there were so many different variables. That was probably the hardest hunt.
1: Yeah, when you look at it when you look at what the wind was doing on Vinci Sky. You could just see like a line. Yeah, where they pushing were just through.
4: they're going completely different, completely directions. opposite directions, yeah.
1: and we were right on that line. Yeah, um, it was tough, man. I mean, I was I was getting discouraged yesterday because it was blowing hard for for a little while. It was um, it was tough.
2: And yeah, you mentioned that um, that time, that period in the morning where everything switches. Right. Um, you know, if you think about it, like wind, it's gonna be it's gonna pick up usually like at night. Like you'll feel it. Like if you go outside, like. Before you leave to go hunt, you'll feel the wind blowing, and then um, it'll die down like right at first light, up until you know somewhere around mid morning, and then the same thing happens in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll blow, and then all of a sudden you'll hit that period of time where it just it drops off and it gets calm. Yeah, and right. that's when those thermals really pick up, and, and so, that's
4: where a lot of people make the mistake. They'll if if you've ever been out hunting, how many times have you been out hunting in the evening and thirty minutes to an hour before dark? All you hear is a bunch of blowing, you know, a hundred yards away, and you're like, "Dadgummit!" You know, I've been busted again.
2: Most it people take long either. Like they can yeah.
4: like thermals travel quicker than you think. Yeah, I mean, when you when you're thinking about up in the day, you know, maybe your thermals are rising, the wind's carrying your scent. Your scent is kind of it's really dispersed, but it, it's not as concentrated though. Um, whereas in the evening when it cools down you got all of your scent funneling straight down to, you know, your low areas like ditches or, you know, creeks. Um, swamps. Swamps. Anything with a low elevation, all of that scent just pulls up in those areas. If a deer crosses that area, come to where you're at, busted. That's it. Game over. You, I mean, it, it's very rarely that you do not get busted with the fallen thermal.
1: So so this, this is an interesting, interesting concept for a guy because – a lot of times in hill country type terrain, your roads are going to be on the tops mm-hmm. of ridges right. a lot of times. And your access is going to be from the top. Um, even if you're going down into a creek, how many, how many roads, how many times do you guys walk down hill to get to your spot? I, it's happened to me so many times. Now, with the kayak, it's actually a, an advantage that I didn't realize was an advantage with the kayak because the only places that I can get out Of the kayak are usually in those creek bottoms and that helps me it really does help me a lot because my thermals are falling in the dark um right early in the morning and so
4: so your access is only exactly where you walk and all the way up to the point where you walked and everything else is blown out anyways because you just walked through there
1: right right but i mean i'm thinking about you know all the times that i've come in from the top of a ridge just because that's where the hunting club road was at it was on the top and goes down on either side into into the into the hardwood bottoms. And thinking about how many times I've been busted now, as opposed to how many times I was busted back then, it's it's insanely lower now than it was back then. Yesterday, the those deer that just about charged me yesterday morning, I mean they literally literally ran were running at a full run right at me. All four of them. They got to about 20 yards and like oh, I don't know what that is. I'm gonna go up. Um, but I was in a creek. I was in a creek bottom. They were not above me at at one point. They got when they ran off. They got above me and then they were just like nah because they caught my thermals or I'm sorry they didn't catch my thermals. They caught my my movement at that point and and ran off. They never. My point is they never blew. They never spooked out of there because they were never. That's one they thing that, my that's
4: one thing I found and I've told Nathan and he's been seeing the same thing. When you're ground hunting, I don't know what it is the difference between, you know, being in a tree and being on the ground, but if the deer spot you or maybe catch your scent, they blow far less times. When you're hunting on the ground, like especially if they're to spot you, if they spot you up in a tree, man, they're blowing. That's a, a game over. I mean, it's <laughs> they're gonna be blown for thirty minutes, and every deer in you know in the next county is gonna know that you're in that tree.
2: On the ground, I don't know what it is. They like, they spook. they still spook. Yeah, like they'll I've they'll had trot deer. off. They or, will, well, they might not even trot off. Like I had I had some does look at me. And like you know, bob their head around, looking at me, and stomp, and they'll blow a little bit, but they never bust it out there. They kept, they, yeah. You know, Sometimes the they'll keep
4: feeding. Sometimes I'll see them try to come around downwind, like especially the bucks. Mm. I don't see it so much with the does, um,
2: but I don't know. But it's, it's happened. Just- it's happened too many times to say, oh well, that's just a fluke. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've seen it a bunch. Hey y'all, um, this isn't
1: an advertisement for ground hunting. This
2: is a thermal, <laughs> thermals. Hey, I and thought this was the that, Southern Ground southern Hunting <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, southern <exactly>. Ground
4: Hunting. <laughs> I, southern is, Ground. Is the hunting. wrong room. <laughs> I, actually, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like,
1: it's kind of bizarre that we're the Southern Southern Ground Hunting, and I kind of like concentrate on. On, on water, <laughs> on not ground, and Michael is a ground hunter. I was like, and tethered is one of our partners. So <laughs> like, very little of what we do actually actually focuses on the ground, as far as I'm concerned. And then all of Michael's everything yeah. is about the ground.
2: Well he, he's the one that turned me on to that, so I'm I'm probably ninety five percent ground too now. What if
1: I but, edited that to to say he's the one that turned me on? No, that wouldn't be
2: good. <laughs> I'm just
4: gonna I'm just no. gonna like
3: I'm just gonna cut it right there. You
2: don't
4: have to be lonely at huntersonly.com. Oh man.
2: Um Did you just make that up? He wrote it. He
1: composed it. Um, so here's an interesting thing about all of this thermals We talked a little bit about deer using thermals, and then we talk about us using thermals. So really, to be able to use thermals to their full advantage for you, you have to not only be concentrated on your thermals as where you're hunting, but where's that deer going to be traveling at using the thermals to his or her, whatever you're hunting, Um, advantage. You know what I'm saying? Like you're using two different types of things it's not just oh i need to add
2: a disclaimer though here because i'm bad about doing michael's called me out on this a bunch i tend to overthink things because you start thinking about you know thermals and wind and and there's been times i've taught myself at a hunting spot because i don't feel like i can get in and not get busted he he worries
4: about his access too much too much I mean, it's a good thing, but Um, what what I'm saying is, don't. It's a good thing, but he talks himself out of
2: hunting spots just because he doesn't think he can access it well enough. Right. So, like this stuff, you need to think about it, and you need to, you know, you need to do it. But, you know, if, you know, you don't talk yourself out of hunting somewhere because, you know, you might go in, and I've went in blind before and had good hunts just because I took a chance. But if you start really thinking about overthinking it, you can really, you know, talk yourself out of spots like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
2: I've it's, noticed it's myself do. <laughs> doing it
1: more now than I used to. Yeah. And, um, but I will say I see more deer now. Oh yeah. Than I used to. So, but I mean, you just
2: got a balance. You got to make a balance there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so is that something that you guys typically do? Like, do you? Are you like, oh, this? Like, just an example. Oh, uh, here's a here's a white oak that's dropping acorns, and the deer are hitting it like crazy. I know they're bedded over here, um, in this other spot. But their travel is gonna be right here if the thermals are doing this. Like, do you take that kind of stuff into into account? Or are you just like, I'm in the general vicinity of where they're gonna be at, and this is good. Does that make sense? I
2: mean I, I i make a I make my best educated guess. So if I know, like, you know, if I know deer are traveling through an area, and they're coming from you know this point to that point, and say, I, like I've got a creek behind me well, I'm going to set up on this side closer to the creek because then that thermal will drop that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I try to make a guess, but then if not, you know, still hunt it and see what happens.
4: And if you're having a, a tough time understanding fallen thermals, fallen thermals actually, you know, happen early, early morning, and then they also happen, you know, late in the evening and then all through the night. So <clears throat> Or cloudy, too, if you have a real cloudy yeah, day. Right. But basically... If, if you were to take a water hose and just turn on the water and let it go from wherever you're standing at, just imagine or just watch wherever that water would go, follow that. That's your falling thermal, in right. essence. So if you're, mean,
1: standing in a, if you're standing in a ditch that goes down like a drainage, that's where your thermal is yeah. going to go because that's where the water and, would go. And yeah. you,
4: you could be standing on the very top of the ridge on the spine – if you're, you know, a couple of feet off to one side, it's going to fall down, and then it's going to reach that ditch, then it's going to go down the ditch, and then it's going to hit that creek, and then wherever that creek drains into. I mean, that's that would be the path that you're... So but you the have thermal. you have
2: rising thermals, too. Right. Um, so, like, when it's sunny or, you know, if you got, you know, um if it's, like, real hot or something, those thermals are going to be sucking back up the ridge. It, basically, it'd be the exact, almost the, the opposite. exact opposite
4: of your, th- of your falling thermal. Now, do
1: you see it happening? Do you see... Does that happen all throughout the afternoon, like more late morning and the afternoon after it switches? Like basically, while the at the hottest moment or while the sun was, is out all day, are they rising all day?
2: They will be, um, but it also depends on like we talked about the mili- milita- military military crest. It depends on where you're at because if you drop below that, you'll you'll see that you can drop milkweed and see it, you know, sucking back up. But then you get above that, and then the wind's going to be blowing the other way. And that's right. that thermal tunnel. So you know you can you can drop the milkweed and see it, um, but if you have cloud cover or something, that's going to change that.
1: Yeah. So uh, that's a good that's a good point, and that's something I was wondering yesterday. It's something I haven't really ever thought of. If you have a day like yesterday, where it was cl- really cloudy at some points, even some showers, and then really sunny, then really cloudy again, then really sunny, is that is that like right like rising thermal, falling thermal, rising? Yeah. They'll thermal.
2: they'll switch in yeah. a heartbeat like that. Um, yeah. I was telling Michael I was um, I was hunting. It's been uh, probably about five or six years ago, and I had a coyote come in bed right next to me, and I was going to shoot it, but I still wanted a deer hunt, you know. So um, I'm watching this coyote, and it's sunny. My thermals are just you know rising up, and there wasn't a whole lot of wind, and then all of a sudden clouds come up, and it was just almost instant that he got up and looked, and then just busted out because that the thermals just dropped and my scent hit him. That's crazy
4: uh back to the georgia trip that i just took um when i went down there with andrew um there was a there was a field on top and basically we assumed that the bedding was going to be off the end of this point that was off the off the end of the, the field um there was a transition of select cut pines that met hardwoods the hardwoods had a whole lot of cover and it dropped all the way to a creek that section of hardwoods was cooler. You know, the ground wasn't as hot. There wasn't this rising thermal effect in there. It was actually falling towards the creek. I had to move because of the sun late that evening. It was it was shining on me, you know, like I was in a spotlight. I moved up just, I don't know, 30 yards into that select cut pines. It was getting so much sun that at that time my scent was, you know, Pulling back up, and it was catching a little bit of the wind, and it was blowing right towards their trail where where they were coming out. Now, back up on the field top, uh, the wind was a lot stronger up there uh, in the thermals, and it was blowing in the correct direction of the of the wind that day. So, like the thermals had less effect up there in that open field um, because your thermals were were just lifting straight up and catching mm-hmm. the wind and going. With in that select cut though. It was, it was carrying right towards that deer trail because those thermals were still pulling up a little bit, but I was at a lower elevation and on the side of that hill, so it was carrying, that wind was hitting the, basically that ridge, the side of it, and carrying, it was basically funneling that wind and thermals right to where that deer trail was. Now back down, you know, just the 20 yards, I wasn't having to worry about
2: any of that. Any of it. Um, my my thermals were just falling right down that ditch all the way to the creek. And that um, that kind of makes me think about this too. Like if you have any kind of real thick canopy cover, like a like say so like the like bankhead's got those. What, what kind of pines are those? Like the hemlocks. You know, yeah, like a hemlock. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you have an area with that, you you feel like a difference in the temperature there. Yeah, it, and you'll I have mean, a It's like there. fifteen or twenty degrees like difference. Especially that, that
4: those creeks, the terrain is so steep. They're so cold. Like the water's so cold. It's almost like it just has its own little, um, I don't
2: know. On current?
4: Yeah, on current, but it, it, it never really receives the temperature that those other spots do in Bankhead. Like, it, it's almost like
2: it's, you know, a place by itself, you know, mm-hmm. like its own little thing. Um, another thing, too, is if you look at, you know, how the sun rises and sets, so like your north side's always gonna be mostly in shade, you know, it's gonna have the most shade. Yeah. So it's gonna be Special probably. During hunting season. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. in the winter, um, your south side is going to be the hottest part. The, I guess the, the, yeah, the south side would be. Um, so you'll have a rising effect on that. And then the north side is going to be more of a falling effect. Right. And same thing on like the east and west side, you know, east side, um, the sun rises in the east, well, mostly and generally in the east. So, so you'll have a thermal pull up on the east side, but then the in afternoon. In the morning. And then. Yeah. So
1: kind of in a nutshell on all of this stuff. So first off, the first nutshell is, if you're super confused about thermals, find a way to get some milkweed, and while you're hunting, just drop it, see what it does. You it's the best way to learn because you're watching it in action. Take all the things that we've talked about today so far, and and just watch watch it work. I mean that that's the only way I can say it. The other thing is in a like in the simplest terms that you could use. Um, Cooler areas bring falling thermals a lot of times. Um, shady areas and cooler areas and temperatures, and then hotter sunlight, those type of areas bring rising. Is yeah, that, if
2: you get confused, you can just think, of like I said, about your house with, mm-hmm. you know, everybody insulates the ceiling because that's where you lose the most heat. Heat rises. Um, heat yeah. rises and cold air falls.
1: I mean, that's that's pretty simple. I mean, yep. there's a whole lot that goes into it when you start talking about terrain terrain features. Yeah, like
2: that's that simple, but then you think about everything else and it gets mm-hmm. more complex. And where it switches,
1: yeah. that tunnel.
4: Um, Just like when we are you know, like in, in science class, you know, when we were younger, you had your solids and liquids and gases. I mean, you know, if you were to heat up a, a solid, you know, it melts and spreads out. It gets, you know, bigger and disperses. Mm-hmm. Think of it the same way as, you know, our uh, thermals, you know, if— it's hotter, it heats up, it spreads out more, um, whereas the more dense um, falling thermal, it's going to be really heavy and falling to the ground.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And and this is not, like you said, it's not at all to discount wind direction. No. Wind direction if, is very important.
4: And if you had, like we were talking about earlier, I mean, if you had a 10 or 15 mile per hour wind, I mean, your thermal's... Pfft. Yeah, I that,
1: mean, no. it, it, it overrides your thermals for sure, but... A
4: lot I mean, of and a time, consistent
2: like a consistent velocity too.
4: Yeah, but a lot of times, like we talked about already, you know, there's that time during the middle of the day when you have those winds, unless you've got a front pushing through like we did yesterday afternoon, is you know, it's rare that the wind picks up in the afternoon instead of mm-hmm. dying down. It'll usually die down.
1: Which is prime time. Most of right. the I mean early in the morning, late in the evening. So that thermal switch and, and I have I have kind of the belief as I've gotten further into this that a lot of your prime time is going to be during that switch. Like, yeah. a lot of your movement. Right. Because it changes the way that they
4: move. And that's what we talked about in that thread is setting up for that fallen thermal. I just think it's really underrated mm-hmm. right now. Well, um, Michael,
2: uh, you know, you, you told me that, you know, he gives me credit for, for beds, but... Um, Michael thinks outside the box on some hunting techniques. Oh um, yes, he does. And you know that. <laughs> it, and like we we butt heads sometimes. Like I remember like bed bed like start, starting out with bed hunting. Yeah. Um, Michael, I was like, let's go up and check for beds. He's like, no, I want to check for creek for creek crossings. I'm like, dude, come on. Like, you go ahead. I'm like bed bed. And he's like creek crossing. <laughs> I'm like rubs great <laughs> but, <laughs> creek I mean, crossing. Yeah, you know, it's good go about ba- turkey hunting, Michael. <laughs> sure. Bed. bed. But it's good about it off each other um but what i was going to say is um we've been finding that bucks like to drop off of their off the points down in the bottoms from their beds and i don't know if it has to do with we just don't have a lot of ag where we're hunting or you know there's food everywhere but i, I think it mostly has to do with the fact that there's those thermals they like to bed where you know multiple points are coming together and so it's pulling thermals from multiple mm-hmm. ridges and they can scent check all that, yeah. whether it's Swole. for does or for predators or whatever. Which is
1: a thermal hub, which right. we thermal talked hub. about right. a um, little bit.
2: And he, he turned me on to this uh, about hunting. Like So these bucks are dropping down. So if you come in from the opposite side when those thermals switch and you stop at like a, like a creek or ditch or whatever, then your thermals are going to pull down, but it's the lowest part is that ditch or creek. So it collects in that, and when those bucks come across, you got a shot at them before they, you know, before, before they, can, they get your mm-hmm. wind. Yeah,
1: I mean that's like I feel like a guy could listen to this right now and at least have a starting point for for understanding thermals. We're like pretty close to time, I think, um, but at least have a starting point of where to go. But like I said, like the 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 best thing to do is just go find out for yourself, and you have to have some type of indicator, wind indicator, to be able to do that. Find you can you can weed. feel
2: it, but it it helps to see it. Yeah,
1: you because because yeah. you can feel it. I've had it where I can feel it doing one thing, but then it hits that current and it like starts doing the yeah,
2: opposite. Yeah, like we were
4: talking about, you you may feel it pulling down the ditch, but what you don't see is when that ditch gets to that creek, it takes you know a complete right hand turn and goes you know down.
2: Back behind you or something, mm-hmm. and it, it it can be quick too. Like I said, you drop it, you'll see that mm-hmm. you know it may hit a creek and all of a sudden just shoot up the creek or something, and it happens quick. And if
4: you're in shade and and you drop one and you see it float down and then it hits a sunny spot like an open part of the canopy, you see that Suck thing up. shoot straight <laughs> up in the air. It's crazy. It, yeah. It's like a chemical so, reaction. <laughs> so so basically, you know, you'd be thinking in your head if you didn't, you know, if you didn't have milkweed that that scent was you know going in that direction, but. All of a sudden, it takes you know a hard turn to go straight up in the air, and you're there's no way that deer's going to smell you in that spot because mm-hmm. that you know sense going straight up in the air. Right. I well, mean, this
1: is a, this is a good plug for Onyx too, or some, or whatever. If if you're looking at a topo map, I mean, you can look at your map a lot of times, especially if you have real defined creek bottoms and ditches and stuff. And and look at that and see a lot of the ways that your scent's gonna go just by looking at your topo line. Sure. Well, you
2: can even um, you can even almost pick out your access too. Um, mm-hmm. Like I know me and Michael have a place that we want to hit up this week to hunt, and um, I went in with him, and he hadn't been in one area of it, and they had like I, I went in blind, completely blind, but they had clear cut it, and there was no cover. And so I'm getting bummed, like, you know, Michael sent me this crappy place here. Thank you, Michael. How's <laughs> <And I was, laughs> this for outside the box? <laughs> there was uh <laughs> but, No, so I um, I just kept walking. I'm like, I'll just keep walking and see what I see. And then I hit that edge where, um, you know, where where nothing had been cut because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have erosion and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, erosion resistance. But um, it was a bluff, and I kept walking, and all of a sudden I hit to where, you, they, they, you know, a deer, you could go down or up it. And so I sit up right there, and sure enough, this buck he came, he circled his bed, and he came up right there. But there was mm-hmm. no sense in him coming all the way down where the bluff was because he can't cross it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd stopped right there, and my thermals were falling down. But because I hadn't crossed that trail, he never even knew I was there. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome.
4: Another thing we noticed since you was talking about that specific situation is back to beds. Um, a lot of times when we're hunting these bluffs, we don't find the beds above the bluff unless there's usually an access down, and that's something that Nathan turned me on to you know, a couple of years ago. He wasn't finding any
2: beds unless there was an access down. Um, but- if you don't have access, you know, I think they still use those bluffs for beds, but they can bed lower, mm-hmm. below the bluff, mm-hmm. or they might bed you know way up higher on that. Somewhere they could get out. If yeah, they, had they, they can out. go
4: in different directions instead of, you yeah. know, having one direction completely cut off because of a steep drop
2: yeah to find those beds right there on the bluff they have to have a trail down and it you know it could be something where you think if i jumped off this i'd hurt myself yeah but you know deer they can man they're they're crazy they can jump and stuff and get off so
1: so this is my last question do you think we're kind of talking about like bedding a little bit do you think and we we may have already answered it i don't think we did do you think deer will bed in that thermal tunnel like, do do you find that they bed in that thermal tunnel because it gives them the greatest advantage?
2: I I don't. You don't. I don't unless. I mean, I think they use that. Um, I think they, but I, I think they use it as travel. Because
1: it I, makes I th- sense I think that they would, if they're bedded down, which is a large portion of their day, that they would go somewhere to where, you know, if the wind is at their back, they're on the the top third. The wind is at their back, so they're getting that wind, and they're in the in the tunnel. So they're catching all those rising thermals from the bottom and they can see it.
4: Yeah. See that. I should
1: be. It's it's usually,
2: they they, they definitely use that, but I think, I think it's more of when they bet on some of these areas, like we are talking about the, the thermal hubs, you know, they're, they're bedding there because they can drop down and scent everything. Uh, They use thermals, but they don't necessarily bed in that thermal tunnel.
4: Yeah. From what I've seen in thermal tunnel, thermal tunnel is usually near that military crest. That military crest is always usually a travel corridor. Whatever animals may use it. What I've been finding is 20 or 30 yards up the hill, you'll see a faint trail and that is typically where I find the bedding. So, watching above, that it gets trough, you close, above it, the thermal tunnel. Above the thermal tunnel usually. And then they
1: could drop down to that
4: Because they're still catching they're still catching the scent coming over the ridge top but they can see what's
2: using that main trail coming across. Right. But now then also that goes back to the what I said about, you know, if it's cloudy or whatever, um, you may have an area where typical, on a typical day, that's your thermal tunnel. But we found uh, beds on some benches, and, which is benches, just a flat area on the side of a ridge mm-hmm. or point. And we found a bunch of them because there are several benches. So how do you know which one they're using? Right. Well, you can guess that on a sunny day, they'll be up higher. And then on a cloudy, you know, on a cloudy day or whatever, they're going to be lower. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, that kind of makes sense. In. It
1: makes sense. Michael, you have any closing thoughts, man?
2: No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, nah, <laughs> nah. Um, I'm
1: done. It, I didn't ask you yet, Nate. I'm just kidding.
3: It, it, Go ahead. it works
2: the same way with swamps too. Yeah. Like um, you think about, like Michael mentioned about swamps. Um, if you have a point, like you would on a ridge, but just uh, you know, jutting out in the swamp, uh-huh. that water is going to pull that that center around that point too. I've been busted right. by by deer like that too
1: and you spend a lot of time hunting wheeler where it's mm-hmm. real swampy, not a whole lot of terrain in there. Um, that is one thing that I would I would love to have somebody on the show who really gets swamp bedding like really good. I'm not saying you don't, but I think Thanks man. I appreciate talked, it. We've talked about it a lot like <laughs> he, river bottom bedding and stuff is just really it's hard to He's
4: probably find. I mean <laughs> honestly, he's probably your top guy. I mean, really? I don't think you could find anybody. I thought anybody. say from different No, I don't. I mean this is so new to the South. I mean, unless you know, we have some other you know hunting beast members from you know other states. Right. Well, I don't see there being many that know as much as Nathan does about bedding. i pretty sure, I mean, yeah. You having, um,
1: you having a kiss now or what?
2: No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Too <laughs> well, many gay jokes. Am
1: I? Am I yeah. You, am I
2: you the gay um, joke um, line? You passed yeah. the line. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you've thrown out a pretty good bit of them. Um, you mentioned like swamp bedding. Um, it's different because the terrain doesn't funnel them like it does in ridges, but, um, they, they use those transitions. They're still going to use the cover. So they're bedding more based on, you know, like the transitions of cover compared to, you know, whatever's around them. Uh, but you know, you might have like a, it could be like a little foot tall hump in a swamp and you'll have a bed on it. Just because right. That's the only dry place. Right. So you got more like it's it's almost more random, but it's not really. It's just it's it's to me it's harder work finding beds there yeah. than it is in ridges,
1: right? Because a lot of times on like a on a topo, you're not really gonna see those Mm-mm. little bitty yeah. three foot hills, you know, right. that are that are right there. Um, so that's an interesting it's an interesting thing, and I'd like to talk about it at some point to really get into that swamp bedding. Um, think guys in Louisiana would get a lot out of that oh, Mississippi, yeah. a lot of that flat land. Um, so I'd I really I would like to do that. If you're listening to this, you feel like you could have some some good say in that. And you're you're a southern deer hunter, then we would love to hear from you. But uh, man, thanks for coming on, man.
2: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's
1: been a blast. We've yeah. been talking about this for oh man since early summer. Yeah. About getting you on here, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's I think it I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna shed some light. No pun intended. <laughs> on, uh, it's a, on it's a it's a good
4: topic that you don't see discussed at all. Yeah. I don't I don't think I've seen it discussed one time on a podcast yet. No, I, I somebody actually mentioned the other day. I said, you know, this needs to be something that's discussed on a podcast. I was like, we're our, we already got this planned out. So yeah. just give us a give us give another us a, week. Give us a second. Yeah, just give us another week, and we'll we'll be
2: good. But so yeah, you can get on like the hunting beast though, and there I mean you can really get in depth on this stuff. Yeah, yeah. really blow your mind on it.
1: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I encourage everybody to get on that, on on the forum, on the Hunt Beast. And just start searching things that you always wondered. Somebody, but you got to you
2: got to want to change though. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, you have to go into it with an open mind, and and I think most people don't, even when they're not killing deer, they just think they're not in a good area. Yeah. There's no deer in there, and.
2: But there's no doubt it, it puts us on deer at Bankhead. It's, I mean, it does. If, if you didn't do this at Bankhead. You'd be out there just wandering around, yeah. You know, yeah. You give up right away. The members
4: on the hunting beast. I mean, they're a special, a special group of people. I mean, you just, you've you've got to put in the work, right? You know? You've get you you got to really love hunting.
1: And I say, I, like you say that because they are. A, it's a rare breed of people, yeah, that are willing to put in the amount of work. It's also a rare breed of people because it's a bunch of guys and girls who are willing to help.
4: Yeah. You, know what I'm you don't you don't I mean that's one of the things they've done so well about. You see a lot of yay-yaying yeah, yeah, on a lot of forums, you know. Mm-hmm. Just a lot you uh you, you it good. You, the typical question, you know, is what caliber, you know, <laughs> am I supposed to be and using the Two seventy thirty six. Ten thousand well, posts later. <laughs> six and a
2: half creating more. If you ain't um, using a a, a three oh eight, you're just you're not a hunter. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna ever kill a deer.
4: So but. Anyways, but <laughs> it, then you see a whole bunch of fights get started and, and people bashing each other for, you know, what the size of their buck is. You don't see that on the beast. Yeah. That's, that's not going to be something you see. If, if there's anything that is questionable, it gets shot down real quick. It gets taken off. Yeah. Um, so. I love
1: it. I mean, I absolutely love it. I like the Facebook page, too. Facebook's a little bit more, like, you see some people have some <clears> – <throat>
2: Yeah, it's well, you know, it's, it's, you're on Facebook, it's like, it's the general population. Mm-hmm. And right. then the hunting beast is like, you know, it's people that seeked it out and actually, you know, signed up, made a com Sought. Saw Sought, saw, is it saw it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry, Mr. Grammar Police. Yeah, I'm a Facebooker. <laughs> but anyway, that, the people that actually went and, you know, created an account right. and got on there and, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's a great website. So if you guys don't get anything else out of this, just go there. To the and, and, and get some milkweed
4: yeah. and get some milkweed. Figure out a way. To and get there, get some, I mean, those are great people. I mean, get you some can milkweed off you the can, street. You can throw it out there and be like, "Hey, anybody got any milkweed that can send me?" And I mean, they'll send it to oh, you. Oh yeah, I mean, I've had you them send it. That,
1: you know that Dave Chappelle meme where he's like, "You got any more of that?" Whatever. Yeah, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's all, got that like the cocaine <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> around his nose. You got any more of that milkweed? <laughs> oh man, so it's been fun been awesome you guys big huge thanks to our partners at new breed on x tethered and go wild check out all those companies we wouldn't use them if they weren't the best and, and we really stand by everything that they do oh deep breaths <laughs> we're done with the thermal conversation i've been looking forward to it for a long time yeah me
2: too yeah, i enjoyed it
1: it's, it's been a lot of fun so
4: he was worried we were gonna run out of content and I was like, No, dude. I was like, We can usually talk for <laughs> yeah, hours and hours now. past it. And I was like I was like, We're not gonna be able to cover all of it.
3: Yeah. And we didn't.
1: But yeah. I think we got a we got a good starting point. So um you guys remember God gave us dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So it's hunting season, I think, like in all of the United States, right? Yeah, we're probably like the last I ones think we're to like in. the last day. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty close. If it's not, it's pretty dang close. So Go out and exercise your dominion. We'll talk to you next time.